Welcome to the June 20th edition of the currently named Brendan, Brock, and Nick podcast. Um, we'll start off with some news and notes. Uh, first off, NBA draft is tonight. Uh, Zion Williamson went number one, uh, then John, then RJ. Um, I'm curious, throwing out the question to you guys, is Zion Williamson the next LeBron James? He, he did have a year in college, which is a little bit different. Um, but he, I think he might just be more like physically gifted, like just a tank. Um, so I think he'll be more like Giannis in that he doesn't shoot super well and he's left-handed, but LeBron later in his career has shot a lot better than he did in the beginning of the year. So I think that's a good comp for Zion. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. It's almost like they're a cross between Giannis and LeBron because he's got more of the like build of LeBron where he's just like beefy. But he plays, I feel like, more like Giannis, where it's just like, yeah, I'm going to drive and dunk because no one can stop me. But, I mean, he's going to be good either way. I don't know if they'll play him as a power forward or with the Pelicans now probably losing Julius Randle, if he'll be like a five, like a small yeah. five, like Draymond. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on if how they want to play, if they want to mm-hmm. go small. And they have a lot of assets that they can make moves. Mm-hmm. More moves this offseason. They also have, like, four picks in the mm-hmm. first round. Yep. So it'll be interesting. They could get Bobo. Bobo. I saw somebody's take, do you think that he was the best pick in this draft? I saw somebody's take that Zion Williamson is going to be the pick in this draft that sells the most tickets, but RJ is going to do the best. For RJ is probably the most well-rounded, complete, like you saw in college. Yeah. Um, when Zion was off, RJ was almost always consistent. Mm-hmm. Um in college, and that like kind of comes from like him being a two-way player. He's really good at defense, and he can stroke it. So yeah, he's he's more of a scorer versus like Zion, who's just like big man inside kind of thing. But I mean, RJ will definitely be the like leader of the Grizzlies now mm-hmm. offensively. It'll be fun to watch him. We had one last NBA note. Uh, before we move on to some baseball, I don't know if you guys saw the Sports Talk Barry Twitter account. Um, they He just posts like joking uh, sports uh, news. He posted something about um, making fun of Harden's man boobs and there was like some sort of feud. And then Skip Bayless saw this tweet and quoted it on his show online. Undisputed? On his undisputed show. It was just absolutely hilarious. How does Noah Mike tell him that's fake like he obviously prepares notes before like i'm assuming someone checks that like how did no one be like dude this is a joke and that's why i love james harden he's probably my favorite player in the nba just because he looks like brendan vansel out there um just should not be athletic and he he travels on a step back every time and never gets called i'm more of a jamal murray with blue arrow kind of kind of guy all right, we can get into some baseball. Vansel, we got an Ortiz update from you, correct? Yeah, so he had to get his gallbladder removed and part of his intestines, but his status is upgraded to good. They have like 11 suspects on who the shooter might be. They said that it was a mistaken identity, and that's why he was shot, but it's just been so unclear between was it a robbery gone wrong, now it was like, Someone paid him to shoot him, and it was like, oh, mistake. I gone wrong. Yeah, like, it, it's it's just very unclear on the motive. But he's in, he's in good condition, which is the main part. Uh, next up on the list, we got Tampa Bay interested in uh, moving cities or splitting time between cities with Montreal. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. Do you think it could be successful, or if you guys have seen anything about that? Yeah, Tampa Bay has the second lowest... Um, appearances or just attendance yeah behind obviously the Marlins but for Tampa Bay they're one of the top teams in the league right now and they still can't fill the stadium Um, I went on a Sunday night a few years ago with my family and they weren't good then and it still was empty the stadium itself isn't great like compared to your Bush stadiums or other top of the line stadiums so on that side of things, that it does make sense that, one, their stadium isn't great, that they've tried to, like, there's a $90 million proposition that would be, like, half-funded by this public and half-funded privately through, like, the owners. And that did not go through. And then, so Montreal, as we talked about, is the city that they're thinking about splitting time with. So Tampa Bay has been familiar with Montreal. They played a few games there. 
Um, and of course, the Montreal had the Expos, and they left in 2004 to become the Nationals, Washington Nationals. Um, and I just saw there was the mayor of St. Pete, Florida, which is where the Tampa Bay Rays play, um, said that he has the final say in if they can leave, and he said it's not happening because they have a lease through 2028. So that's a big fork in their plan, but... Yeah, I mean, I believe the overall plan would be to split the time and all home games in the first half of the season would be at Tampa Bay and then Montreal would get all the second half. Yeah. Which, it, I mean, I don't know how that would be because it's like, you know, like free agents, they want mm-hmm. like, they want stability where their like, home is. You see a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm going to go like, play in L.A. because I want to live in L.A. I don't think like. Now only a quarter of my season is going to be where my home is versus like mm-hmm. half the season when the baseball schedule is already super long. So, I mean, yeah. I think maybe waiting until 2028 and then trying to maybe relocate to Montreal is probably better for financial, um, for both cities, really. And we saw with the Raptors that Canada is a pretty good sports nation. And the Blue Jays don't have great attendance, but if you bring a really good team in, maybe – They'll be better off. I mean, when the Blue Jays think, were good, though. Yeah, they, I think Blue Jays they, are like top five. Yeah, in yeah. Attendance really they're just not good. Now. Yeah, they're not yeah. good. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I definitely think they need to do something. They're one of the better teams in the league right now, and their attendance is still terrible. Um, so I think that this is an interesting idea. I'm not. There are a lot of people that have to okay it. I saw uh, this a report. It was just the MLB like giving them the okay to look into. Uh, splitting time between two cities, there's still a lot of people that have to okay it. And obviously, like Vance mentioned, the players, I think, are one of the most important ones. I'm not sure how excited I would be about splitting time. Like he mentioned, only having a fourth of your games in your home city. I think that would not be super enticing, especially in free agents and just in general. But I thought it was an interesting idea. I think relocation is probably the ultimate result uh, for Tampa Bay and probably uh, the Marlins eventually. Um, but I thought it was just an interesting thing we could talk about. Do you guys think that... London, Canada, or Mexico gets either a relocation or expansion team first. It's like Canada. I know that they've talked about Mexico because obviously Mexico is a huge baseball country. I think Canada and Mexico, I would think one of those two for sure, especially just because the time difference in London Mm -hmm. would be difficult. Like if you just go over there for a weekend series and then you come back and you have to play in the States, I think that's Was there a weekend series or is there going to be with the Yankees, I believe? There's going to be one. So I guess you could see how that works out. And they've, all, yeah. uh, they've already been playing a series in Mexico. I mean, London's not really a big, like, baseball town. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, what the NFL is doing, where they're just kind of expanding their generate some, yeah. some more, like, potential revenue. Uh, did you guys see Scherzer broke his nose on a bunt attempt? Um, and then he came back out the next day or there, two days after one of the two, struck out ten in seven squirrels innings. Just an absolute animal. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I watched the video. It's pretty, like, it's not like he's just bad at bunting. It's just one of those things where he just, like, made a lazy attempt and it went into his nose. I actually have a pretty good theory on why it happened other than that. So Scherzer, pitcher that pitches with a lot of emotion, intimidating on the mound. If he has a broken nose and that black eye, I saw pictures. He looks scary. I think he did it on purpose for the fear so factor. So is his blue eye black now? And he has a black eye and a brown eye, or was it his brown eye that went black, and he has a black and a blue eye? Well, actually, he has three different colored eyes now. Wow. He has three eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could see in the video, he's just kind of going through the motions. Um, yeah. Bunting and... And then purposely did it so he yeah. could have the intimidation factor. If you haven't seen a picture, look at a picture. It's scary. So just kind of a little bit of a peek into one of our later segments. Do you guys buy or sell the Universal DH? When stuff like this happens, you always got to kind of think about it. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts there? Um, you know, I kind of like the idea of a Universal DH, not because of, like, the pitcher standpoint, because I like the strategy, but I think it's just, like, more fair because you're not going to see guys like J.D. Martinez sign with a National League team. You're just not getting that talent in those National League. Like, they're just not even in the picture, which is mm-hmm. which is the main reason I would want a universal DH. I sell that the league will switch to a universal DH, but I buy the DH. And we'll get into that later. 
All right. Uh, Jose Ramirez is back. We just talked about him last podcast. He had a three-run bomb the other day, so I think we can uh, officially crown him in the top five MPP for the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are there. I know uh, Vance was not a yeah. fan last podcast, and we've clearly proven him wrong since then. My thoughts are that Nick and I are always right, yeah. especially in this case. Yes. I would believe the people that didn't realize Josh Bell, top top offensive performer, they didn't know he was a switch hitter. I would definitely believe those people when it comes to their opinion. I don't mean to brag, but I obviously know the most. I won my brother's fantasy baseball league purely off of a draft three years ago. Didn't make any moves because I didn't have access to it. Just off the draft. That's how smart I All am. right. So uh, <laughs> continuing the Jose Ramirez talk, it was his first uh, home run in a month, which is um, insane for a guy that's top five MVP running the last couple of years. Um, next thing, next next thing in the notes uh, was the Clint Frazier demotion antics. I don't know. We talked a little bit about the Clint Frazier demotion in the last episode. I don't know if you guys saw all the stuff that Clint Frazier did. I guess he uh, wiped his Instagram of all pictures involving the Yankees, and then he unfollowed all of um, his fellow players on Instagram. I don't know if you guys saw the interview. He looked super bummed out, and I guess uh, the players' collective bargaining. Uh, they have like a 72-hour window where if they get demoted, they can report after 72 hours, like they get 72 hours to kind of make that adjustment. Uh, but apparently players don't usually use it. But after he was demoted, he used the full 72 hours and was not with the team uh, for that entire period. And they asked the coach about it, and he's like, well, like, it's his right. He can do whatever he wants. But I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. If you think he's being childish. He was playing really well. Uh, he'd hit a lot of home runs. His OPS was uh, honestly not that much lower than Encarnacion, who they traded for. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are with all that stuff that he did after he got demoted. If he has the right to, he doesn't have the right to. Uh, I didn't realize Clint Frazier was 24 years old. So he's been with the Yankees for three full seasons almost, a season and a half. So I can understand that like, you feel like you're just kind of making your first stride towards being a good MLB player, and then you get demoted. But like circumstantially the team is insane and you kind of taint your image in the league by kind of throwing a fit and being petty I think yeah his uh, OPS was only about like 40 points lower than Encarnacion this is just the business side of baseball like it was unfortunate because it was like his first stint where he was really showing like yeah I can do this he's 24 years old he's gonna get better and then it's like, yeah, I'm having all the success. And it's like, but I'm getting sent down because, like, there's just no room for me on the team. And, I mean, he's pissed. I feel like it's a fair reaction. Maybe, like, not something, like, I would have done too, but, like, I completely understand it. So, speaking of being pissed and throwing fits, did you guys see uh, Machado's antics with the umpire the other night? What are you guys' thoughts there? I think it's ridiculous when players show that kind of emotion out there. Or what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, I wouldn't really call it antics. It was just a bad call, and he got mad. Everyone, every, like almost every player will get ejected at some point for arguing balls and strikes. You don't see every player throwing their bat mm. at the backstop and doing all that kind of stuff. But you see a lot of players slam their helmets, though, and stuff like that. Like, it's, I've, and then it was ridiculous what the umpires tweeted out. The Umpires Association tweeting out that um, he was suspended for contact with an umpire and violently, in all caps, throwing his bat against the backstop with absolutely no regard to anyone's safety. His violence in the workplace is not tolerated and asked, is this truly what MLB wants to teach our youth? Then they had about 20 hashtags saying, like, disappointed, make an example of, temper tantrum. It was just ridiculous because, like, if Machado tweeted that, then he would have been fined his whole contract. Yeah, I'll preface what I'm about to say with, I like Manny Machado. I like that passion um, because baseball can get kind of monotonous, but I think he went over the top. I mean, they're umpires, they're, they're humans just like us. You don't see Machado's teammates throwing their hats and gloves or Chris Paddock if he's pitching if M- Manny Machado has a throwing error, or a fielding error, or messes up. You don't see his teammates throwing a fit and getting his in his face so I I probably would side with the umpires on this that it's it is unfair because they're doing their best 
Well, the next day, because Machado was appealing his one-day suspension, he had a ball that would have been a home run, but they overturned it and ruled it a ground roll double. Like a 398-foot. Yeah, like it hit off the top of the wall, which is a home run there. Machado and does also have he just a has prior like, history of being a little aggressive. Yeah. I, I like Machado. I think the umpires are conspir- conspiring against him now. T- taking away his home run. Yeah. <laughs> Hot take. So, what are your guys' thoughts on Blake Snell? I don't know if you guys saw, but he got jealous of the Rays openers that they've been using all season. And uh, to respond to that jealousy, he actually didn't make it out of the first inning yesterday. Um, so, I'm curious. His ERA is now over four a uh, year after winning the Cy Young. Do you guys think he, he's just having a rough season? you think he's going to bounce back? What are your guys' thoughts there? Uh, their manager said that he's got all of his stuff. I personally haven't watched a Snell start, but from the the Rays, they say he's really got his stuff, and it's all there. He's just been kind of inconsistent in hitting his spots, and I think he'll turn that around. I mean, last year was insane for him. And if you have that potential, then I think you'll turn it around. And it was against the Yankees, who are probably the best lineup in baseball now. Um, so I'm not super worried about it. I think he'll be fine. Well, I think the concern is more not with just that start. He's had some rough starts his past like, four mm-hmm. starts. I, I mean, it's just yeah. control. And, like, he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about him at all. I think he'll be great, too. Control was always a question with Snow, and the reason why he was so good last year is because he didn't walk anybody. So if that does start flaring back up, that could be a little bit of an issue. But I like Snell. I think we all like Snell. I don't think there's anything to worry about that. His walk rate is currently the same as it was last year in his mm-hmm. Cy Young. Good. So. Well, I'm sure he'll probably be right then. Altuve was back yesterday from his hamstring injury. He went 0 for 4, and I think he's still 0 for today. Do you guys think he's going to steal the ball? He had one steal before his injury, and I think I'm not sure he's going to return first-round value if he doesn't steal. Yeah, we made a little wager earlier this year of if Jose Altuve will steal one more base the rest of the year. Um, kind of joking, but it seems real. Like he looks like he's struggling, and I he wasn't great in any of his like rehab stuff from what I've read. So I'm worried about him. He's getting older, and he's not running, which was a big part of his game. I mean, I'm sure he's not a hundred percent. I bet because he is such an important bat. But, I mean, I'm not worried about him. Like, it's Jose Altuve. He's going to come back and still hit. But we can all agree, not worth the first-round value that he had going into the season. Yeah, he'll probably not run as much. I don't think that this is going to, like, stop him from running. Mm-hmm. I think that they're just going to take care of him. And then once he gets, like, going, he's going to have an insane tear like he had earlier. Rest of the season, which Jose would you rather have, Ramirez or Altuve? Altuve. <sighs> I think I like Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I like them both. I think they're both going to be great. I think they're both going to be second half all stars. Um, I wouldn't. I'm not super concerned about any of them. Altuve, obviously, I would be worried about him running, but all of his batted ball stuff looks good, and I think he's still going to be the fighting for the batting title type batter. Um, Ramirez is clearly going to run more. He's run a ton this year and is going to keep on running. So fantasy wise, I think. I like I like Ramirez, but I don't know. It would be a toss up. Flip a coin. I would agree. Also. Ramirez, if you need steals and running, Ramirez has been doing that and will continue to do that. Um, and his batting is just abysmal. But Altuve has started slow. It's only been two games, but missing that whole facet of his game is worrisome. I think there's the Indians in general are going to turn it all around, and Ramirez will start getting more counting stats, RBIs, runs, just all that kind of stuff. I think it's going to fall into place. Speaking of running, uh, we talked about Otani in the last podcast a little bit negatively. He has now stolen three bases in his last seven games and is still on fire. Um, so I just thought I'd update everybody on that. It looks like he is going to potentially return to his uh, last year's ways. Uh, we should probably talk about Fran Mel Reyes. He's got 20 home runs this year now. Hit his 20th yesterday. Um, do you guys want to own Fran Mel Reyes? He's clearly, I think, ownable at this point in most leagues that um, have any sort of depth, you know. If you guys are excited about Fran Reyes. Yeah, I, I have Fran Mo in our 16-man categories league, and I really do like him. He had a little injury hiccup with his neck, 
But there's two Padres outfielders with 20 home runs, um, and he's batting behind um, Tatis, Machado, Hosmer, and Renfro in some days. So that's good for RBIs alone. And his strikeout rate is a little high, but all the rest of his peripherals check out. And the thing about guys with high strikeout rates that are hitting the ball hard, like we see it with Javi Baez, we Pete see it, we see it with Pete Alonso. Like if you hit the ball hard, typically you're rewarded regardless of your strikeout rate. Yeah, I think strikeout rate's kind of gonna go the wayside with the way baseball is right now because there's so much power that it doesn't. You can strike out thirty five percent of the time, but if you're hitting for power, that doesn't matter. So one last non-baseball note before we jump into all the, uh, the baseball statistics with struggling players starting to pick it back up. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that video that proves tennis players are truly athletes. Who said that they weren't? Uh, tennis players are amazing. I'm a big tennis homer myself. Um, a video of one of the guys dropping his racket and then they just started playing soccer with tennis ball. I thought it was pretty awesome. Tennis players are great. Um, maybe one of the most athletic sports out there. It's a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, all right, we'll move into some baseball. <laughs> uh, struggling players starting to pick it back up. So Eloy Jimenez uh, is one of the first guys that I have on this list. He started just abysmally, um, and then before hitting the DL a lot of or IL rather, a lot of people were uh, debating whether or not he should even be owned in a lot of uh, in a lot of fantasy leagues. I think maybe he is unowned still in a lot of fantasy leagues. His last couple of weeks have looked really good. His bat was kind of normalized back to around three hundred. He's starting to hit home runs. Everything's starting to fall back in place. I don't know if you guys have seen his batting stance. It is just terrible. He looks a little bit awkward, but I think he's going to put it together and be the guy that everybody thought he was before the season started. Not really statistic, but the ball, the bat sounds so, the ball sounds so different coming off his bat. I don't know if you saw that home run. It just sounds dead. So that's weird. I don't, that's just weird. That's all I think about Eloy Jimenez. I mean, he's a rookie. Like, whenever he comes up and struggles, like even Vlad came up and struggled, I feel like people are very quick to judge. They expect all these instant results, but, like, there's such a difference between AAA talent and MLB talent. I think you got to give him time, and now that he's coming back from the IL and he's starting to rake, like, I'm excited to watch him. I think it's funny that he is a was a Cubs prospect, and then he hit, like, the game-winning home run, a game-tying home run off of the Cubs last night or a couple nights ago. So do you guys want to own Eloy in any league that is available because of the potential that's there? Yeah, I'll trade you. Yeah, I think you have to roster him in almost any categories. Yeah. League. Uh, and then we got two Rockies that started off the season a little bit rocky. Uh, we got Daniel Murphy and Ryan McMahon. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are there. They've each really turned it up. Uh, these last couple of weeks, especially Daniel Murphy coming off the IL, he's looked really good. You guys, I assume, want to probably own Daniel Murphy for mm-hmm. sure. I know he was dropped in some leagues. His ownership percentage did go down, but I think he's pretty much been picked back up everywhere and is probably owned everywhere, but I think he definitely needs to be owned. What about Ryan McMahon? You guys want to own him? They just recalled Brendan Rodgers with Trevor Story going on the IL. So I think McMahon will... Not play as much. I'm not a huge McMahon fan, but Murphy, like you said in the last week, he's batting 320 with a around a 850 OPS, which is good for him, and he has second base eligibility. So I'm more um, enticed by Daniel Murphy. I mean, Ryan McMahon is going to get playing time because Trevor Story's mm-hmm. on the IL, and Brendan Rodgers is a shortstop, so Ryan McMahon is safe there. But he's gonna. What what eligibility does McMahon have? Like second base, first base. Yeah, and Ian Desmond's been picking it up. So there's Murphy, Rogers, McMahon. I think, I don't know. I think he'll lose playing time with Murphy just, coming back. And their infield. That's uh, their starting uh, infield. Or not? <laughs> there you go. You got their starting infield. That's no five one's losing people. Playing. Desmond plays outfield. Desmond. Can first also he but plays outfield i'm a big Center. mcmahon fan i was big on mcmahon at the beginning of the year uh, and i think 
I think there's a lot of potential there. And obviously, anybody that's playing every day in cores is someone that needs to be owned. Well, they only play in my half opinion. the games. They only play half the game. Okay, this I podcast that. is turning into um, Nick and Brock versus Vansel <laughs> of every. Um, next guy I have on this list is Puig. Uh, when I say that he's turned it around, um, it's really only been a week. He has four home runs, I believe, in the last week. His BABIP is still really low at 253, so I still think there's some positive aggression coming. Do you guys want to own Puig? I mean, in a deep league, it went like he steals, he hits, he's gonna get every day. He's gonna play every day, play half of his games, uh, uh, whatever their stadium's called. I can't remember Great American, American which is mm-hmm. a hitter's park, which is nice. I mean, he's dropped on the order though, so I mean, like I guess maybe more RBI chances versus run chances, but I mean, he he can get you everything in like the basic categories. I think super recently, I know they just sat Votto yesterday, but I think he batted second in Votto's place yesterday, so that would be kind of a pretty cool development for him. I think his counting stats would go up if he continued to bat second and continue to play better. I know Puig was a pretty common breakout uh, pick for a lot of people at the beginning of the season. I feel like it's been that way for the last three or four years, really. Uh, I think he hits the ball hard. I like Puig. I think he's worth rostering in most leagues, probably most categories leagues for sure, just because of the power and the speed. But so for probably points leagues that aren't super deep, I don't really think you need to own him. But like five outfielder leagues and leagues where uh, steals, you get extra points for steals, like in Roto leagues, I think he should probably be owned. Uh, Jerks and Profar is kind of a similar story to Puig. A lot of people picked him as a potential breakout this year and kind of have the last couple of years as well. His backup is incredibly low, which is probably a little bit of a product of the ballpark that he plays in. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on Jerks and Profar. Do you like him? Do you want to own him? He's eligible in a lot of infield positions, which is good, and you can fit him into a lot of your lineups. So for that reason, I think he should probably be owned. Um, do you guys want to own Jerickson Profar? Uh, Profar is – June has been good for him. He has around an 874 OPS. Um, like you said, he's eligible at every single infield position. So for that alone, I think he's worth rostering. The athletics have been good. They've been putting up a lot of runs. I, I'm just not a huge Profar believer because, as you alluded to, he's like they're just waiting and waiting and waiting for him to be something that he hasn't been. So I think this might be what he is. It's just kind of an average utility guy. Yeah, I only think he should be on the deep leagues. Like, I'm not a Profar fan. I mean, he came from the Rangers, who have a hitter's ballpark, to the Athletics, who do not. I, I don't really see a big change in like his game from the move um i'm not really a fan of him i i'd say only deep leagues where you because he can fill so many positions like if he was only like first base eligibility i would not even own him yeah i think that's probably fair um next we got ramon lorano he's been playing really well in his last 150 plate appearances 18 extra base hits he's batting 300 in his last 150 plate appearances. His BABIP is a little bit high, which isn't super expected in his ballpark. Uh, he's ballpark mates with Profar before. Um, I, I like him. He's fast. He is showing power with these extra base hits. I don't know how legit it is, um, but he's fast. He's been hitting the ball hard. I like him. I think he's probably worth the speculative ad just because of that speed, especially in the leagues, mm-hmm. obviously. Do you guys want to own? Yeah, he is the number six outfielder um, right now. And in his last week, he's been bad. Has a 1,000 OPS. Um, he has 11 home runs, eight stolen bases, and he's kind of breaking out. Like he was a big defensive prospect. Um, and the A's were going to play him pretty much every day just for his defense alone. And he has been raking. He's been hitting really well after a really really bad April. So I think he's definitely worth adding and starting almost every day right now until he proves otherwise. I do think his defense is good to note because you don't ever have to question his playing time in that regard, even if he dips into a little bit of a slump. Like with Profar, I think if he dips into a little bit of a slump, he probably will start losing some playing time. Whereas with Lerano, I think he's going to play every single day because of his defense. Yeah, I agree. Defense is insane. Like, he's so fun to watch, but he could be a sell-high candidate, in my opinion. Because, yeah. like, I mean, he doesn't have, like, a track record of yeah, any sustained success. So, I mean, definitely a sell-high candidate. And the backup is certainly high. So would you rather have Loriano or Puig for the rest of the season? Loriano. 
I think I'd rather take Puig just because yeah. I think Puig's got a lot more upside. Uh, I think Lorano, I think he could be good, but I don't think he's going to be like a push you in the playoffs, potentially win a championship type good. And I think Puig has kind of always had that potential. I know we've been saying it for the last three years, but I just think. That's exactly why I want Loriano is because we've been saying that about Puig for the last four years versus this guy. We don't know. He's in a really good lineup. I'm, I'd rather have Loriano. We don't know what he can do. We know what Puig can do, and we also know that he's not going to do that. Yeah, but Puig even being bad right now is 14 home runs, 9 steals. Um, and if he bats second, then that's... He only bats second because Vado was out of the lineup. And Vado's been terrible. So Vado's been, so been better lately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think he could go either way. It's really a toss-up. Puig has more power, obviously, moving forward. Mariano is better overall. <laughs> Agree to disagree. All right, we've got um, – I'm going to go quickly to just um, the year of call-ups. There have been so many call-ups this year. I feel like this year has just been incredible for all prospects, more call-ups than I can remember in any recent years. Uh, They're going to talk about a couple guys that are being called up soon, have already been announced. One guy that has not quite been announced but is probably on his way. Uh, first off is Zach Gallon, uh, pitching against the Cardinals today, right now. Uh, he's pitched, it looks like, five of one-run ball. He's looked pretty good, I saw, in the fourth inning he had 5K, so he probably has more at that point. I assume everybody wants to own Zach Gallon at least. He was tearing it yeah. up in AAA today. Yeah. Curious what your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I know Vance and I both talked about Gallon early in May um, when he had just started just mm-hmm. dealing in AAA. Um, and we were watching the game right now, and he's pitched really well. Gave up a run to Adam Wainwright, of course. Um, but he – it's going to be hard for him to find, a, like, a spot to land – in the Marlins rotation, even the reason he's up right now is because they've just been had like had a lot of injuries. Um, Sanchez went on the IL, and then um, Caleb Smith, Caleb Smith, and then Pablo Lopez, Urias, um, Urania They're went on, on the sixty-day IL. So if he pitches this well, and Yamamoto's also pitched well, so it's not a like question of if he's good; it's if he can stay. I think for me. I mean, if he, I think that if he can have that sustained success, he's not going back down. Mm-hmm. Yamamoto, he came up from double A, so I think if anything, he's the one likely to be sent down, just because it's like, okay, good job. Like, we can see what you do. Yeah. Like, let's send you down to triple A. Realistically, though, they've always said that he's probably just a back end starter. Yeah. So he is riding a really good like streak right now. But like realistically, I think he. Just I mean, that's probably why started. they called him up is because yeah. he was doing. He was on yeah. a hot streak. And but they also Yamamoto was ranked one or two spots higher in the Marlins prospect rankings, so that's also interesting to note. And he has put together two yeah. incredibly good starts. Two Granted, we should probably take that a grain of salt. <laughs> the Cardinals are playing terribly, um, but it's still it's encouraging to see, especially against the same team. Um, they had already seen all of his stuff, so it wasn't like he just got called up. They had no idea what they were looking for. Uh, they all had just seen him within the last week. So I think that's definitely worth knowing that he held them scoreless again. Next up is Jesus Lazardo. Uh, he's um, back on his rehab assignment. He got, uh, he's been pitching pretty well. Uh, he just, he's supposed to start in AAA, I think, either tomorrow or sometime this weekend. Uh, so that's encouraging. However, I did see a quote from their manager that um, it's not just working him up to the majors. They not only need him to work up to throwing 100 pitchers every day, but they also need good results. So they have made it clear in their early reports that said he wasn't going to get caught up till August. I don't think that's probably true. Um, Vansel, I know you've held on to this guy for a while. When do you think he's going to be up? I mean, I don't think it's going to be too many starts in AAA. I think if he puts, if he gets up to his pitch count and has like back-to-back solid starts, I think that he could easily be called up then. Because the athletics have like a lot of guys that will be on innings limits, so the way it will work out will then allow them to like not have to worry about Lizardo's innings, because like mm-hmm. this kind of did it for them. But I mean, he did have like a, a seven nine ERA in AAA last year, but then in spring training he had a point nine ERA, and that was his first like time in AAA. So I'm not worried about him. I think yeah. he'll be up sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't have too many worries um, for Lazardo. He's a top pitching prospect. He would have been in the rotation had he not gotten injured. Yeah. Um, my only concern, which really isn't a concern, but they have Manea also that will probably come up around the same time, and A.J. Puck, who will probably end up in the bullpen. 
But I think, like Vantel talked about, once they start innings limiting people, bringing those three guys up as, like, fresh starters will be good. And I don't think how he performs is going to be as important just because they're going to have to innings limit people. I think buying on the Zarda would be a good idea right now. I know he's owned in less than 10% of ESPN leagues, so he's definitely out there. I think going to get him now would be better rather than when the call-up news starts coming up like all these other guys have now happened and their ownership percentages are going to start shooting up. I think now would be the time to jump on the Zarda while he still can. Next up is Chris Paddock. I put him in this call-up section. He's technically a call-up this weekend. Uh, They're calling him up from high A. I don't even know if he pitched down there or not. He did not pitch in high A at all. Um, I assume everybody wants Chris Paddock. Do we want to try and buy low on Chris Paddock? What do we think? Do you think they're going to kind of toy with him, yo-yo him the rest of the year? Yeah, I read a few reports that they may do this throughout the year. Just send him down for the, the max 10 days and then call him back up. In our last podcast, I talked about I was worried that they might leave him there for like maybe 20 days just to get that extra year on his uh, – contractor year of whatever holding him but the Padres are starting to make a little run they're a few games above 500 um, so I'll be interesting to interested to see how he does this weekend and if that plays a part in like how many pitches that he throws how many innings they let him go um, and I think that that'll kind of tell the story for the rest of his season but in regards to buying low I would say most guys that own him now wouldn't be selling because he's coming up Saturday Maybe this time last week you could buy low, but I think that he's probably fairly valued right now. I agree. Maybe if they send him down again, you could buy low, but wait till then. Yeah, I say definitely if you have him, wait till Saturday. Don't sell low at all. And then maybe like Sunday or Monday to see what they do with him, if he sticks or if they send him back down. And I bet they don't send him down right away. Yeah. Maybe like two, three starts, give him the mm-hmm. 10-day break again. Yeah, and it is interesting. What do you think they do? Because, like, Strom has hit his innings limit. We talked about this last podcast, but Logan Allen getting called up and pitching well. Do you think they kind of do the rotation just where they send guys up and down all the time? Um, they did that with who was oh, – Matt picked him up. Quantrill? Yeah, Quantrill, they did that too, where he's been spot starting. So They could do something like the Dodgers where they just have these phantom aisle stints all over the mm-hmm. place. Who knows? I think that either way, I think you want to own Paddock, but maybe don't uh, rely on him for consistent starts the rest of the season. But the starts that you do get are going to be good. Adbert Alzale, they've announced that the Cubs are bringing him up this weekend. You guys want to own Adbert Alzale, I assume? Pretty high upside, it seems. He is a Cub, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I picked him up in our 16-man league. I was just looking at his AAA stats since coming back, and he's been really good like his... He has just, like, a ridiculous amount of strikeouts in, like, 32 innings. 50, I think. It was something crazy. His caper nine is over 12 right now. Yeah, it was something crazy. Um, so he – today they have – I don't remember who it is starting, but he is following them. So it's kind of like that guy's getting an opener because he's not stretched out all the way. So I also think it will be, like, a good way to potentially just, like – Chatwood. Yeah, Tyler Chatwood. Not stretch out to be a starter. So I could really see him pitching, like, three innings and then Azale coming in, getting the win because he only needs to pitch, like, two innings, which will be – which I could definitely see happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the Theo Epstein did say it's like, yeah, we were looking for, like, any way to call this guy up. We're exciting about, excited about him, yeah. so. And Hendricks is on the aisle for a while, right? Um, the news I got back was, like, one of the better case scenarios – I think it was just, like, shoulder inflammation or something. But it was, like, better case scenario. Yeah. And scenario. the Cubs are great, so they're not going to rush Hendricks back, I don't mm-hmm. think. so. Especially if Alzale is doing well. Yeah, is worth a speculative ad, for sure. All right, we're going to run through a quick buy or sell. Uh, most of these are my opinions, and I'm curious what you guys think. Non-baseball. Buy or sell, salt and vinegar chips are the best. Oh, wrong. Sell... Hundred percent. Okay, we got two cells. I think they're on the up and up. I think that they're they're kind of making a hard push for top chip. So kind of keep that in mind as the days go on. I think you'll see them at the top here soon. I think you're just wrong. As do I. Buy or sell. Summer is the best season. Sell. Sell. What's the best season then? Fall. Fall is the best season because you have the MLB 
um, postseason, the start of football season, college and NFL. It's comfortable weather for me. I'm a I'm an albino, so I like the cool weather. My birthday is September 27th, so that's kind of in my wheelhouse. It's the and the NBA season starts also, so it's just kind of the the three sport month. I believe is October. Personally, I'm a big fan of like early summer like this like June weather because it's not hot yet I'm a like big fan of like going to the beach and just being outdoors during this weather so I think that like June is perfect temperature wise so I'm a I'm gonna say summer is the best season because I'll include June and summer all right it's the first buy we've gotten all right buy or sell Twitter is the best social media buy sell I'm Why? a I like Personally, every time I just try getting the Twitter, it just never works. I use Instagram the most. I mean, I think it's just more a personal preference. I've just never gotten yeah. it. Like, my friends don't really use Twitter, so it's not like I can keep up with mm-hmm. them. Like, I don't really see, like, them post. So it's like, versus, like, keeping up, yeah. seeing what my friends are doing. See, I have a burner Twitter account where I follow, like, a thousand uh, profiles. And most of them are athletes. And I like Twitter because... They're more, like, personal in that. Like, you see Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma and, like, the NBA especially. And also for baseball, that's, like, the fastest and most efficient way to hear about prospects. You just, like, get a quick search for their name. And you get all, like, the beats writers. And they, like, that's where it's just a, more information. I think it's not just, like, pictures and glorifying things. Yeah, it's really cool following athletes and even former athletes. Like, I don't know if you guys saw O.J. Simpson just going to <laughs> yes. Twitter. Um, I want to throw out another social media, Snapchat. Snapchat is great because people will post stories that they're not going to like post on like Instagram or Twitter. So you just see some like pretty wild stuff on Snapchat. And then they're like, man, I can't believe I put that on the story the next day. So I also want to throw on Snapchat to the ring. Yeah, that's fair. That's I'd fair. Say no Facebooks? MySpace? No. We're below 60 years old. Yeah. All right, buy or sell. Mountains are greater than the beach significantly. You are significantly wrong. The beach is just way better. Yeah, I went skiing for the first time over spring break, and I ended up rolling down the hills more than skiing, and it just it was no fun, no fun at all. But the the mountains, like the I don't know the aesthetic of the mountains, I like better than the beach, just because you can get some nasty like sea like seaweeds and. I mean, it's just nasty. I'm sure you could also get, like, some nasty stuff for mountains, too. What's your reasoning for liking mountains so much more? I like hiking a lot more. The views, as Brock said, uh, I just, I'm not a beach guy. The sand, I really don't like the sand. It gets in everything. It just makes me uncomfortable. I just, just I, I just, your feet off. I'm just, I'm not a fan. Definitely not a fan. I'm a big beach guy. There's just so much more you can do on the beach than the mountains. Like, you want to go hiking? Okay, you can also walk along the beach. Like, there's no incline. It's just not rain. And there's no peak. The, getting to the peak and looking out is an amazing feeling. You just don't need to accomplish everything. Some things you just need to lay back and chill. Just See, walk on the beach. This is personal preference, and it's a microcosm of who we are. You like to just lay around and enjoy. Nick and I are go-getters. We like to be active and go do things. I thought you just said you don't like the mountains. I don't like either. <laughs> <laughs> I like the plains. All right. Buy or sell bidets are the worst invention ever. You guys familiar with bidets? Yes. No. <laughs> bidets are common in Asian countries. Um, they shoot water up uh, in your uh, area. Up in your area after you use the bathroom. They're on the toilets. They wait for you. I visited my my brother in Okinawa uh, while he was a marine, and I used one for the first time, and it shot so much more aggressively than I was expecting. I stood up and just started shooting all the way across the bathroom like. Five feet, like this thing was a freaking fire hose. Uh, they're terrible. Definitely don't recommend using them. I've never used one, but do, do you still wipe afterwards or does it um, I thought, get rid of I thought that was supposed paper. to be like you wipe and then this is the finisher so you're super clean. I think that's, I think that's the way that it goes, yes. Either way, it's terrible. Don't ever use it. Um, so you're just I, not as wild as the Japanese. <laughs> All right. Buy or sell, you must run out all contact in every game all season long. Sell. Sell? Yeah. 
So I was watching the Cardinals broadcast yesterday. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, Starlin Castro hit a pop-up, and he didn't run it out. And the broadcasters were just really getting on him for it. And I, I am a fan of people that run everything out. Like Harrison Bader is a guy that really loves to you run everything Harrison out. Bader. Don't get me started on Harrison Bader. Um, I do think one thing that I do like about Harrison Bader is that he runs everything out and hustles absolutely on every single play, and it's good to see that. We, just as a team, have been running the bases a lot better this season, and I think that maybe that was what the announcer had in mind when he was talking about. He just was ripping into him, and I thought it was maybe a little bit um, over the line. I didn't think it was as egregious as he made it seem. I don't know. What, I, I, I think that it's nice when you have guys that run it all out, but especially like in the middle of the season like this, when games... Yes, they do mean a lot, but obviously, like when Machado is doing all that stuff, like in the playoffs and the World Series, that stuff, I'm not okay with. And I think you do need to run all that stuff out. But in the middle of the season here, I don't think it's a big deal. Well, I think, like, you don't need to, like, sprint to first base on a pop-up. But, I mean, unless you, like, hard line out, I think you should make it to first base at least. You don't need to sprint, but, like, you know, jog, make it to first base. My, uh, my Padres have two of the extremes with Machado and Tatis. Um, Tatis is just like that energizer. Will run everything out, steal when he shouldn't steal. Do the splits, stretching the second base. But Machado, I'm fine with it. You're playing. He's gonna play 160, 150 games um, in the season. He's the highest paid player. Like he's paid to play every day, not go hard, and then end up like Robinson Cano. All right, now I, I I want to dive a little bit deeper into the Universal DH talk. Do you guys buy or sell the Universal DH? And why? So I wrote a, a few notes on this. Um, I I hope you've been writing notes on all of this because I sent you these <laughs> more notes. notes. So I don't think that the NL will adopt the DH. Um, be, and I used to not want the DH because I liked small ball pitchers having to bunt guys over and things like that. But then you watch guys like Shohei Otani, who is a DH only, and he's playing in an interleague matchup right now against an NL team and he's not going to get to play at all because he doesn't have a position. Um, so the few notes on the DH right now, there's a record low average and on base percentage in the NL. Um, you guys like Matt Strom had like the bases loaded and he just wasn't going to swing and he got walked by John Gray. And if you have a DH in that situation or like a different nine hole hitter there, you're going to, like, see real action instead of just some guy with the bat on his shoulder. But then, like, the flip side of that is you do have pitchers that rake, like Woodruff, Mad Bum, Wayno. Um, Rankings. Yeah, it, it adds, like, that whole tier to that. But at the same time, I think that the reason that we see these, like, record lows is because um, guys are just more, like, specified pitchers. They're more, like, growing up, they just pitch, just pitch. And they don't have to focus on hitting, whereas, like, back in the day, guys played the field and pitched when they were growing up. So it's just, it ruins a lot of games when you have the nine-hole hitter. And we talked about, like, NL pitchers are better because they basically have a free strikeout a game. So I don't know. I think that the DH would be cool, especially for, like, the Cardinals. Jose Martinez, he'd be one of the best DHs in the league. But because he doesn't really have a position, he's not getting to play every day. Yeah, I'm a fan of the universal DH. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, more tactical because you have to, like, pitch hit and, like, late games are more intense and all. But, like, pitchers, you're not paying them to hit. Like, you're just putting them, like, in potential. Like, I remember when Wayne Wright was having a really great year, but then tore Achilles batting and, mm-hmm. you know, missed the rest of the year. Like... That's it's the equivalent of having the quarterback go into slot receiver and then like it's like oh yeah you might get hit like some of them yeah they can do it but like for the most part you just kind of want them out of the way especially with this new um, bullpen rule that they are gonna put into play with like you have to face three batters so like when you're hitting does that change pinch hitting um, like if you have a long relief guy um, do you pinch hit for him or do you in those situations because that does like the NL games are just a lot different because of like the bullpen pinch hitting moves so i honestly think that the universal dh is going to happen sooner rather than later um honestly i'm not a huge fan not uh, there are a lot of good aspects to universal dh like extending guys careers like we wouldn't be able to see ortiz and ortiz was amazing throughout those last few years as a dh but we wouldn't have been able to see that 
Uh, I think guys, obviously, like Jose Martinez would get a lot more playing time. I think it, it uh, gives more jobs available. I think that uh, there's definitely a lot of good to the DH. I just, I'm not a big fan of the idea of a guy not having to play the field. And I know I was just talking about how that's a positive because it extends guys' careers like Ortiz. I just think that it changes the game up a little bit when you have a guy that doesn't play the field. Um, I think that I'm not like super against it where it's going to uh, make me mad that the NL is going to adopt it. And I know that they will eventually, but I just, I like it the way that it is. And I kind of like how it switches up. And when we go and play uh, at an AO park, we get to see a DH used and vice versa. And they get to see their pitchers, uh, pitchers bat. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the university DH. It's going to happen. I'm not, it's not a big deal though. All right, we can run through this segment a little bit quickly. Uh, I named it the Mike Trout segment. Uh, so he hit two home runs yesterday. He's absolutely amazing. One of them was a grand slam. Um, the main reason that I wanted a, an entire segment to uh, commemorate Mike Trout is because now he has 69 at-bats with the bases loaded, and he is batting 420 in those at-bats. So I thought that was, I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, also, his OPS has steadily increased his entire career, which you probably maybe wouldn't have guessed or the average baseball fan wouldn't have guessed because he won MVP in 2014 and yet his OPS has steadily increased since then. His current OPS is at 1113, which is leads the AL by over 150 points. Just absolutely ridiculous. He's an animal. Marcus, did you guys see the video of Marcus Stroman trash talking mm-hmm. trout? And I say trash talking with air quotes around it. Marcus Stroman uh, got trapped to fly out on the warning track. <laughs> and then Marcus Stroman looks at him and he's like, you're the best player in the game, bro. <laughs> and then they, uh, Marcus Stroman tweeted about it after the game and was like, I truly think Trout's going to go down as the best player of all time. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Breaking news. We, Mike Trout is good. Thank you. We just take him for granted. Like, he is so overlooked. His OPS goes up every single year. And we sit here and talk about one of our notes is, is he – is everyone in the majors just fighting for second place at this point? And you have, like, Yelich and Bellinger in the same sentence as Mike Trout, and it just should never happen. I think... And, and I, I don't think, see, like, in many other sports, you have, like, LeBron, who is the un, undisputed best player in the league, um, and then the NFL, that's whichever quarterback, but, like, Tom Brady, undisputed, and Mike Trout, we were always talking about who's, like... Who's better than him or is Mike Trout, this or that, but he is the consistency. The biggest thing about Mike Trout that I think, like there are always those guys that are around him, like uh, Belich and, or Belich, Yelich and Bellinger this Belich. year, uh, Altuve a couple of years ago, uh, they had Mookie Betts. There's always like a couple guys that are always talking about, is he better than Mike Trout? But Mike Trout is always the one they're comparing him to. He's always the other side of that comparison, and I think that says a lot about Mike Trout. Uh, all those stats, that those crazy stats that I got from Mike Trout were from Jeremy Frank on Twitter, at MLB Random Stats. Thought I'd give him a little bit of plug. I follow him. He's super fun to follow, and I think uh, he's got a lot of good stuff. Um, next up, I want to talk about the Yankees. They're 3-0 since the addition of Edwin Encarnacion. They also swept the Rays, which are kind of known um, as one of the other better teams in the league. Their record is currently worse than the Astros, uh, the Twins, and the Dodgers, but only three teams that they have worse records than. Uh, not only are there only three teams, but they've not really been healthy for the entire of the season. So do we think they're going to win the World Series? Do we think everybody else is just trying to see who can be second best? Or do we think... I, I think if Severino comes back and proves to be their ace and James, James Paxton turns it around, they've got the bullpen, they've got their closer, nobody's questioning their hitting. I think that they've got to be the favorite in the AL, just like matchup-wise against the Astros at every position except maybe shortstop. I think that they're better. Um, so, yeah, they're the favorite Third base. Third base. Are you saying DJ, Bregman is worse than DJ LeMay? DJ LeMay, who has been incredible. So, sure. so what are your thoughts? Nitpick one thing. Cancel. Uh, I mean, I don't... I like the Astros. Like, I feel like they're still comparable to them. Dodgers are comparable to them. Like, they don't have the pitching depth. Like you said, it's like they have to have Luis Severino, who's been on the IL this whole year, come back and be an ace. They need James Paxton to be healthy when he's like, yeah, I'm going to be fine, but, like, we just have to have the dirt this specific kind. Like, there's a lot of ifs, and they're going to make a move to get a pitcher, so they'll be fine there. Does Stroman bolster the rotation, or does it stay the same, basically? It'll help out. I don't know how much. 
they would they need like an ace of workhorse. And I mean, I think that like the Astros have a similar bullpen, like Presley and Ozuna for the eighth and ninth is just about as locked down as a combo as you can get. The Astros, when healthy, are going to have an insane lineup too, with especially with Jordan Alvarez and if they call up Kyle Tucker. Mm-hmm. I think the Astros pitching is just a lot better. Yeah. They're top two. Yeah. Um, like Cole and Verlander. Yeah. Or, Cole and Verlander could easily shut down like one, two games against the Yankees if they met in the playoffs. Yeah. And then you have a 2 0 lead. Yeah. It, they're about the same. They're. What about. So let's get your playoff and world. Or not necessarily the playoff prediction, just World Series winners. Uh, real one, and then make a couple of bold outlandish predictions about the playoffs or uh, season outcomes for teams or even the World Series. So give 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 me your conservative um, World Series prediction and then make a couple outlandish ones. I'm hiding this at the back of the podcast just in case they turn out to be ridiculous. At the end, nobody will hear them. Um, so let's hear them. I mean, for World Series... World Series champ. World Series champ, I mean, I feel like the teams that we name, like... The Dodgers could win, Astros. The Twins could make a run, too. It's really tough to pick right now, especially when we don't know what the trade deadline is. I think to make uh, like, I'd pick the Astros right now, though. They're just so good. So for the AL, I'm going to say that the... I think it's got to be the Yankees still... um, are the leaders there. And then in the NL, I'm going to go with the Dodgers, but if Dallas Keiko comes back and is even a third of the Cy Young Dallas Keiko, which is probably not going to happen, I think the Braves really have a shot. Um, Top to bottom, their lineup is strong. And their pitching staff with Soroka, Freed has been kind of turning it around. Um, I think that they can contend with the Dodgers. The Dodgers pitching staff is just insane. Um, The... The Blu-rays also lack a bullpen, which is pretty critical. And I think if they make a move and get it closer, before that's what you said. The trade deadline is all tentative. So, I think bold predictions in the NL. I think that the Padres will make the wild card, and with Chris Paddock starting that game, I think that they might make a run if they call up Urias and just go all in on a playoff push and aren't huge sellers at the deadline. If they don't trade Kirby Yates and just let their young pitchers pitch and just let them see however this year plays out. I think that they really do have a good shot. And then in the AL, I think that the athletics, we talked about them earlier, when they call up Lazardo and Manea and Puck, if they end up being who they should be, their lineup is strong, and I think that they can contend for that wild card spot because they're not going to beat the Astros. But I think those are my two dark horse candidates. So, I would say in the NL, I could see the Brewers making a really deep run, honestly. It really just depends on how their starting pitching is at the time of the playoffs. If we talk, we've been talking about trade deadline. Do you think the Brewers buy, sell? Because they're kind of in a limbo right now. They're half game back, but they're not really where they thought that they were going to be, and Lorenzo Cain has been struggling. I mean, I think they're going to buy anything. With Mm -hmm. the way Yelich is playing, I think. Mm -hmm. They got Kesson here. They can call up to replace Shaw. Yeah. I think that they'll buy. What, what pitcher do you think that they are looking at? I mean, really just any of the starting yeah. pitchers. Matt Bum, Stroman. My two outlandish predictions um, were the Reds. I think you're going to make a run for the playoffs. Um, I think that they're outlandish, okay? This is the point. Um, I think they, they've been playing really well recently. I think that they have a couple of those guys that we talked about earlier, Puig and Vado, who haven't been playing super well, and they're not down and out in the division at this point. I think that they could end up making a run and get close to that um, playoff spot. I think they could be buyers of the trade deadline. And I think Twins are going to lose their division and miss the playoffs. Um, I think that the Indians are going to turn it around, and I don't think there's going to be enough wild cards um, in the AL for them to grab one. I think that there are... Which, the only thing that uh, kind of holds me back from this prediction is just because the AL Central is so bad and they play so many bad teams. But I think that there are, there are so many teams that just look to be throwing their season in the AL completely. I think there are going to be so many teams with good records 
I don't think the Twins are going to finish off the season well enough to make the playoffs. Do you give two outlandish predictions? So, personally, I was going to say that the Indians, I think, are going to be sellers at the deadline, just based off the track record of their franchise. Who do they sell? Kluber. Ramirez. Some of their big pitchers. It's like... Because they don't, they're not going to have the money to keep that whole core. They got a bunch of young pitchers coming up, so I think that they can trade some of their big pitch, big pick pitchers, and like Jose Ramirez, built try to build around Francisco Lindor. I also think that the Twins and Yankees are going to meet in the divisional series, and the Twins are either going to sweep or win three one. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, that was an hour. That looks pretty good for the podcast. Um, episode number two done June 20th. Uh, thank you guys for listening.